Hey folks, and welcome aboard Tuesday Night Edition Philip Ward Show. It is 11.06 on the East Coast, 8.06 on the West Coast. Today is the 827th day of slowing the spread. The Joe Unity Biden administration now has 943 days left for all of us to endorse. So we have some breaking news as we come on the air tonight. We have election results. First of all, um, in Alabama, headline here in Axios, Katie Britt. Now, if you, this was sort of a odd uh, kind of race in Alabama's uh, Alabama Senate race because originally, so it was Katie Britt who is endorsed by Donald Trump. She was up against Mo Brooks, who was endorsed by Donald Trump. It's pretty weird the way that this all um, panned out. Either way, Katie Britt, the former chief of staff to retiring Senator Richard uh, Selby from Alabama, winning uh, today, beating out Congressman Mo Brooks. Uh, the, uh, it was Axios. Axios writes, Britt gained momentum in recent weeks and her prospects were boosted by a late-stage endorsement by former President Trump. Now, again, remember, he did initially endorse uh, Mo Brooks, but Trump rescinded his endorsement of Brooks after the congressman told a rally to, quote, stop disputing the 2020 election results. Put that behind you. He said, well, obviously Donald Trump didn't really like that. You know, again, you hear a lot of people, right? Oh, put whatever, 2020 happened and move on. As Mo Brooks says, put it behind you. I don't know how we can, folks, because I will, again, never believe that Joe Unity Biden received 81 million votes. I just, I, you look at Joe Unity Biden, right, who has now fallen twice, who has no idea how to handle an economy, who is probably being controlled by Barack Hussein Obama. And literally, Barack Hussein Obama said of this man, who got more votes than Barack Hussein Obama himself, that don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. That's literally the quote from Barack Hussein Obama. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. The approval rating, which Joe is now at 39% approval rating. By the way, the, we have polling out there uh, from this January 6th, which is just the most political, most partisan so-called committee that really the country's probably ever seen. And the American people, you know, some Americans, there's a uh, Ipsos poll that I'll get to in a second here. Some saying that, that they think that the committee and the hearings are fair. Well, I think about, I think fair for who? I mean, the only thing, the only objective of the January 6th hearings is to make sure that Donald Trump can't run again in 2024. Why is that? Well, because those Democrats, this new radical insane democratic party in which i have a lot of bad blood right now with senate republicans particularly 14 of them by the way you can probably guess who they are in this so-called senate bipartisan gun bill what do i tell you some of the things that are in this on top of all the pork and spending that's in it as well but this democratic party 
you know, they they are so afraid of Donald Trump, and they all have they focus so much on January sixth because they have nothing else. Nothing is going right for this party. Here's Joe Unity Biden, who's trying to get gas prices lowered because it's bad for the American people, bad for him politically. Now, he says that he's overperforming, though, that he's overperformed in his first year as president. Well, if we start to question his motives, maybe he wants higher gas prices. I mean, he himself has been saying that, it, along with the uh, uh, energy secretary, you know, Jennifer Granholm, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, you know, well, you can just go out and buy an electric car. I mean, heck, if you listen to uh, the senator from Michigan, Debbie Stabenow, I was in my electric vehicle, so I got to pass everyone waiting at the ga at gas pumps. I mean, if, as if that is a good message for the American people. It's pretty shocking to me, folks. It really is. And, and, and the thing of it all is, I, he's now picking a fight with Chevron, who could potentially help him. And I mean, if if you're if you're Chevron and specifically Michael um, Worth, who's the uh, CEO of Chevron, why would you help this guy? I, I, I just think of it. Remember, this is Joe Unity Biden, who was saying that as far as oil executives go and oil companies, particularly oil executives, if they don't listen or if they don't adhere to Joe Unity Biden's policies, well, we'll have to throw them in jail no i'm not kidding that's literally said in 2019 while he was on the campaign trail you know he was saying well we're gonna at memory he, he was whispering to a little girl like i mean he does all the time it's one of the creepiest things i've ever seen on top yeah at least he wasn't smelling her hair right and jeez who does that who literally does that he was saying we're gonna end fossil fuels you know it's like well, then, what is the purpose for, for these companies to have any incentive at all to help Joe Unity Biden out? And in the midst of it all, it ends up being the American people who have to suffer. And I'll get to uh, his letter in a second here. So, anyway, so the, the breaking news is that Katie Britt uh, has won. So, and by the way, with her winning the Republican primary, folks, she just about solidifies that she will be the next senator um, in Alabama. Now, in Virginia as well, and, and, and this race, folks, is listed as a toss-up. Um, Yaseli Vega is her name, wins Republican primary to face Abigail Spanberger. In Virginia, and by the way, Abigail Spanberger, folks, she has some problems, especially when you have NPR reporting the things that they are. So, and by the way, as far as uh, Yaseli Vega goes, she's the daughter of a Salvadoran immigrants who fled the country during a civil war. First Latina elected to the Prince William Board of Supervisor, pursued a career in law enforcement, currently serves as a deputy sheriff in Prince William. Uh, she is go now going up against um, Abigail Spanberger. This is in Virginia's 7th Congressional District. Uh, the district is, quote, expected to be one of the most competitive in the country, with Republicans viewing it as a key opportunity to pick up the seats they need to regain a majority in the House. So, NPR, right? And, and, and NPR, 
If, if, if they're writing something like this about the Democratic Party, folks, then it is 10 times as worse as they're making it out to be. But they write earlier today how the January 6th hearings are landing in one Virginia swing district. Of course, they're talking about Virginia's 7th Congressional District, where uh, Yaseli Vega has tonight become the Republican nominee. Kimberly Berryman, I guess is this woman's name, lives in the countryside outside Fredericksburg, Virginia, but drives 20, listen, oh boy, listen to this, but drives 20 miles to the suburbs to do her shopping. She keeps a cooler in the trunk to keep her corn cold as she travels from store to store trying to find the best deals on groceries. For her, it's worlds away from the hearings about the January 6th insurrection going on at the U.S. Capitol. She says, quote, I got other things to do. She says she works with special needs students, said she was shocked and scared by the attack at the Capitol, but she's more worried about the price hikes and supply shortages than litigating January 6th. And folks, I think that a lot of Americans feel the exact same way. She says, literally says, quote, just move on to something else. Says she usually votes for Democrats, but she'll consider voting for a Republican if they do a better job addressing her concerns about high prices. And I think poll after poll indicates that the top issue on Americans' minds right now has nothing to do with January 6th. It has everything to do with Biden inflation and the economy. Gas prices as well. Food prices. See, baby formula shortage tampon shortage i mean think about that potentially food shortages coming to this country on top of what i believe and i've continued to say on this program is a coming recession so ipsos has a poll americans think of january 6th committee as fair which i really have no idea how but they are not following it now this is this is pretty bad stuff for the january 6th committee and the democratic party as a whole Ipsos poll finds only 34% of Americans are following the hearings. Listen to this, right? Because this is like hardcore Democratic base, including only 9% of Americans are following the January 6th hearings, quote, very closely. How about that? Only 9% of Americans. That means 91% of Americans are saying, well, all right, I guess it's a, well, it's on every news cha- so-called news channel. Anyway, I guess I'll take a look at it all. And I think people, you know, I always say that, that my generation is the headline generation where we read something in the, in the in a headline and that's, oh, well, well I've been following. Well, I know all about it. You know, I've gone over the NBC News piece specifically. Uh, they were saying the don't say gay bill in the headline. And then if you read into it more, you they literally say to themselves, they literally pronounce themselves as critics of the bill. They say critics call it the don't say gay bill. Well, right in your headline there, you're admitting that you're a critic of it. So they write, uh, again, in this Ipsos poll, 60% believe the committee is, in, is conducting a fair and impartial investigation. How that is, folks, I really, truly have no idea. But again, if the people being polled are saying that, right? Think about it. If more than half of the people that were polled think that it's fair, and yet still only 9% are only following it very closely, 
Again, that's not good numbers for the Democratic Party. And the, the topic of fair, how can it be fair when you had Congressman Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Banks, who were rejected by Nancy Pelosi, said, oh, no, 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 they can't be on the committee. No, we're going to instead choose, oh, let me see, Liz Cheney, my God, and Adam Rhino Kinzinger. And yet, some people still believe it's fair. I have no idea how. Anyway, um, so on this, uh, these these Senate Republicans, folks, so-called Republicans, I, I, I really have no time or no words for anymore. So Craig uh, Kaplan, who uh, is the C-SPAN Capitol Hill producer, tweets about an hour ago, Senate votes to begin debate on the bipartisan anti-gun violence bill 14 Republicans, including, of course, folks, who, who is it going to be? You bet, King Rhino, Mitch McConnell, joining Democrats in voting yes, uh, con uh, Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, leading uh, the lead Democratic negotiator in the gun bill talks, announced the vote uh, from the chair. By the way, 64 to 34 was the vote. Uh, he writes, 14 Senate Republicans voted yes to begin debate on the bipartisan gun bill. Blunt, of course, Burr, of course, Capito, of course, Cassidy, of course, Collins, Corn, Cornyn, jeez, uh, Texas, Texas, by the way, Senator Cornyn. And listen, I get it from a, from a Texas perspective, you know, if he wants to, if he's looking out for his reelection bid, uh, but some of the, you know, some of the things that are in there, I, I just... I, I truly don't know how that would have helped what happened in Yuval. Oh, by the way, the news coming out today about uh, the police, and I believe it was the chief there who was saying, you know, the door was open and don't go in, and it was like an hour there gap. That is just truly appalling and disgusting news. I mean, it's totally indefensible at this point. Uh, you know, listen, we're still getting facts and, uh, you know, the full story out about it, but it, it does not look good right now i mean an hour where kids were just helpless while this this horrific awful disgusting despicable murdering idiot is just locked in the classrooms with him i mean there's a lot of answers that there are a lot of questions that still need answering um about the uvalde uh story anyway so so cornyn as well obviously Joni Ernst, uh, uh, go figure, Lindsey Graham, of course, Mitch McConnell, Murkowski, Portman, Romney, of course, Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis, uh, and Young as well, Toomey, uh, didn't vote, didn't uh, the vote tonight on beginning debate, says, I commend my colleagues who have worked tirelessly on this compromise, and I am encouraging all senators to support I mean, you know, listen to some of the stuff that's in it. Well, by the way, Pelosi says after the Senate passes this bill, House will swiftly bring it to the floor so that we can send it to President Biden's desk. Chad Pergram uh, says Schumer files cloture to end debate on the bill by rule uh, ripens on Thursday, needs uh, 60 uh, yeses, should get it uh, since they got 60 uh, today. Uh, by setting up the procedural vote to break the filibuster on the gun bill for Thursday. Senate could wrap up action on that by the end of the week or over the weekend. Unclear how fast the House can move, but Pelosi says at least pretty swiftly. Also sets up the potential of a weekend session. Oh, boy. Before they go on a, on a two-week recess vacation. Oh, boy. Imagine our elected officials actually had to do overtime. Oh, we don't want any of that, right? So in the AP, 
Senators reach bipartisan, uh, really, compromise on gun violence bill. Listen to some of this stuff that's in here, folks. And this is in the AP, right? Though Republicans blocked tougher restrictions sought uh, um, uh, sought by Democrats, the accord marks an election year breakthrough. So there, if, first of all, right then and there, now Democrats will say, well, we got gun this gun bill passed and it's and it's bipartisan too so keep us in power i mean really um on an issue pits the gop's staunch gun owning and rural voters against democrats urban centered backers of uh, firearms curbs what a sentence to write that makes it one of the most incendiary culture war battlefields in politics and a sensitive vote for lawmakers, particularly Republicans who might alienate Second Amendment stalwarts. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's awful to believe in the Second Amendment, right? And again, if you believe that, like Joe Unity Biden clearly said himself, well, the Second Amendment is not absolute. Well, then obviously he believes that the First Amendment isn't absolute either. Legislation would toughen background checks for the young uh, for the youngest firearm buyers, require more sellers to conduct background checks, and beef up penalties on gun traffickers. It would uh, disperse money to states and communities to improve school safety and mental health initiatives. AIDS estimated. Listen, oh boy, how about this, huh? AIDS estimated the measure would cost around fifteen billion dollars, which Senator. Chris Murphy of Connecticut said would be fully paid for. Oh, kind of like what? Build Back Better would be fully paid for. The bipartisan infrastructure bill fully paid for. Or, you know, oh, if you're making less than $200,000 a year, your taxes aren't going to go up, right? Another lie from the the Democratic Party. Resolving one final hurdle uh, that delayed the accord. Listen to this because, I don't know, to me it doesn't really make sense. The bill would prohibit romantic partners convicted of domestic violence, not married to their victims, from getting firearms. Convicted abuse. By the way, you don't think there's a loophole around that? Convicted abusers who are married to, live with, or had children with their victims are are already barred from having guns. The compromise prohibits guns for a person who has a current or recent former dating relationship with the victim. That is defined in one part as one between people that is defined in part as one between people i mean what if you say who even who's going to define what a dating relationship is it's like 80 pages of this stuff too they had to vote on it like that um so uh defined uh as um as Excuse me. That is defined in part as one between people who have or have recently had a continuing serious relationship of a romantic or intimate nature. Now, it's this is what I mean. This doesn't make any sense because you can't. What if you say, "Well, I was just I just saw this person once, uh, once or twice a week, or once or twice a month." I mean, you you can't. There's so many loopholes around this stuff that it's. Like, what's it doing? An offender's ability to own a gun could be restored after five years if they've not committed another serious crime. Bill would also provide $750 million to the 19 states and the District of Columbia that have red flag laws making it. By the way, if you're a conservative 
and you espouse conservative beliefs on like the Twitter box or the Facebook, I mean, people can just come in and say, oh, well, that's a red flag right then and there. How are you going to define red flags? You know, quote, making it easier to temporarily take firearms from people uh, judged dangerous into other states with violent uh, violence pre- prevention programs, states with red flag laws that receive the funds would have to have legal processes for the gun owner to fight the firearms removal. Moment- By the way, this is what it's all about right here. Momentum in Congress for gun legislation has a history of waning quickly after mass shootings. Lawmakers, though, are scheduled to begin a two-week July 4th recess by this weekend. So that's why the, the, uh, Charles E. Schumer wants to get the vote done by the weekend. So they can go on the recess, and then they can celebrate July 4th and say, well, look at what we got passed. We got this gun, bipartisan gun control bill passed. You know, it, it, Cornyn says, quote, it's only 80 pages. How long do you need to read it, right? Uh, Congressman Chip Roy says, uh, Res Ipsa, uh, by the way, is Latin for the thing speaks for itself. Just tweeted that out not too long ago. Also tweet out, by the way, Dems attack our way of life and Senate Republicans say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Oh, by the way, Chip Roy, I have a lot of respect for the guy, a lot of admiration. You know, he's one of the only guys that speaks out on the behalf of actual conservatives in Congress. You know, he actually wrote a piece yesterday in the Washington Examiner, an op-ed, writing, quote, no more excuses, Republicans must secure the border. You know, that's on top of earlier today uh, in the Daily Caller, uh, Jorge Ventura is his name. He literally posts this video where you have like, and I'm not kidding, you can see it in the video, hundreds and hundreds of illegal aliens just lined up Quote, here is the scene at 4.17 a.m. in Yuma as hundreds of migrants are lined up to be processed by Border Patrol agents. Migrants from Lebanon, Belarus, Russia, India, Venezuela, Cuba, Colombia, and more. He writes, among the mix of migrants includes dozens of adult men, women, and children. He says it's the, quote, longest line he's seen by far while covering the crisis in Yuma. Um, reported yesterday morning uh, about large swaths of migrants arriving at the southern border, including single males from India. He says there was only one Border Patrol agent available to uh, to begin processing the large influx of migrants. You know, I mean, I mean, it's insanity. Well, Chip Roy, writing yesterday in the Washington Examiner, no more excuses. Republicans must secure the border. He says. Today, if a migrant wants to enter the United States illegally, they pay a cartel to cross to the Rio Grande in the U.S., then seek out the Border Patrol to claim asylum. Because of the Biden administration's policies and existing loopholes in our laws, they know they will almost certainly be released and likely never removed. And then he says, since Biden took office, we've encountered over 2.7 million illegal migrants at our southern border, over 234,000 in April alone. Customs and Border Patrol agents are processing migrants, leaving stretches of the southern border wide open for exploitation by cartels and traffickers. He says, if the people ever again entrust Republicans 
to lead the House of Representatives or any other part of the federal government, there can be no more excuses. We must secure the border by closing the physical gaps in our border infrastructure and the legal ones on the books. Says Republicans need to make this clear now before the elections and then actually go and do it. By the way, Chip Roy, who has been like a fierce critic of this establishment, by the way, those 14 Republicans tonight, those Republicans. He writes, securing our border isn't complicated. Politics shouldn't make it so. If Republicans ever regain power in D.C., we must immediately act to secure the border, rather than merely discussing it in press conferences, roundtables, or task forces. says, too many innocent people have fallen victim on both sides of our open southern border. We must prevent these atrocities from continuing. If we fail to do so as Republicans, if Republicans fail to do so, then they should be firmly held accountable, he writes. And I absolutely agree with him. That ain't the first time I usually agree with um, Congressman Chip Roy. Now, so, we turn our attention, folks, to the gas prices that continue to skyrocket in this country. Now the national average of gas, over $5 a gallon, thanks again to Joe Unity Biden. And again, gas prices which are directly dictated by the price of oil. So, Chevron. Now, if you're not familiar with Chevron, I'll read from Chevron's website for you. Chevron manufactures and sells a range of high-quality refined products, including gasoline, diesel, marine and aviation fuels, premium-based oil, uh, finished lubricants, LOL, and fuel oil additives. Right? So, the Chevron CEO, basically, fossil fuels, folks. The Chevron CEO, Mike Worth, earlier today, writing a letter to Joe Unity Biden. Basically responding to Joe's letter, he wrote him on June 14th. He says, thank you for your letter. I look forward to meeting with Secretary Granholm, and I'm hopeful for a constructive conversation about actions to address both near-term issues and the longer-term stability of energy markets. Chevron and its 37,000 employees work every day to help provide the world with the energy it demands and to lift up the lives of billions of people who rely on these supplies. Notwithstanding these efforts, he writes, your administration has largely sought to criticize and at times vilify our industry. These actions are not beneficial to meeting the challenges we face and are not what the American people deserve. Preach! While today's geopolitical situation is contributing to this energy crisis, bringing prices down and increasing supply will require a change in approach. I don't know, like maybe, huh, going back to the Donald Trump energy policies? That seemed to be working real well for the American people when gas national average was $2.39. You will have, uh, he writes, you have called on our industry to increase oil production. Well, we agree. Let's work together. U.S. energy sector needs cooperation and support from your administration for our country to return to a path toward greater energy security, economic prosperity, and environmental protection. He says the American people rightly expect our country's leaders and industry to address the challenges they are facing in a serious and resolute manner. We are a willing partner in that endeavor and trust your administration will be the same. Well, I'm... I tell you what, I, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. I think it's a pretty powerful letter. And then Joe, right, who wrote a letter to uh, Worth on June 14th, 
saying, you know, increase oil production so that gas prices can go down, you know, and yet here's Joe today, after Worth responds to his letter, Joe mocking Michael Worth. So a reporter uh, asks Joe about the letter, and he says this, quote, well, he's mildly sensitive. I didn't know they'd get their feelings hurt that quickly. Again, thinking that he's funny, or as he would say, I don't know, I was being a kind of a wise guy. You know, like, as if, like, who is Joe to be saying to anyone, well, seems like I didn't know that they'd get their feelings hurt so quickly. Joe, you literally fell standing on a bike on Saturday. As if he's some sort of tough guy. Joe Biden, right, I was saying about Donald Trump, you know, I'd like to just take him behind the gym. Oh, by the way, it plays into the narrative of the violent left, which really isn't a narrative, which is actually true. That is the violent left. Um, and I was saying, you know, sometimes you just like to pop him in my business. Like, well, really, Joe? You know, the guy, for a guy who's, you know, 79 years old and thinks he's so tough, such a hard guy, you know, you, Joe, you fell twice already. You're totally, you're a total embarrassment to the country. You know, you have the American people that are literally, no one even knows if Joe's running the administration. He says, we're looking into it, about tariffs with China. We're looking into it. We're going to see if, what, we're going to make up my mind. What does that even mean, Joe? I mean, there's so much ambiguity through this administration. By the way, an administration that promised they were going to be the most transparent administration of all time. Oh, really? Because from where I'm sitting, folks, it's been the least transparent administration of all time. But as you know, there is always good news on this program, folks, because this administration now has 943 days left for all of us to endure, as here we are, folks, on the 827th day of slowing the spread. Oh, by the way, on the topic of slowing the spread, Joe also said, well, we need more funding because there's going to be another pandemic. Yep, there's going to be a second one. He says, I don't know, is he foreshadowing there, folks? I would hope not. But again, we count, if, if they're, we're going to start slowing the spread again, you don't worry about it. We already got, you, we already got that all going. Already been, we've been counting the days of slowing the spread. We're just going to continue it anyway. 827th day today, folks. Do you trust your federal government? I know I don't. Thank you, as always, for listening to the program, folks. It is never a bad day to be an American.